If you're glad that you got Jesus this morning, can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. What a wonderful thing that is that we have Jesus. And let me tell you, Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And because of Jesus as believers, we're in a family. You glad to have a family this morning? Amen. We have an earthly family, but we have a heavenly family as well. And there's something special about that family, but you know that just as when you got married to your spouse, two families came together and you brought two different personalities. You brought two different lifestyles. You brought two different traditions together and you had to merge those together and make them the best to your ability to flow in unity or in harmony together or there would be constant conflict and strife. Well, the same thing happens, believe it or not, when someone accepts Christ, they're brought into the family of Christ And with that family of Christ, we each come in and we each bring our own things. And we have to come and meld together to form one family. And there must be a unity. Well, we're not any different today than we were those number of years ago when the New Testament was being written. The church was being formed and in that forming of the church you were bringing different people together and different ideas. You were bringing together those who were Jewish and who thought that they were better than others and who had come out of a legalistic form of worship. And then you brought in the Gentiles who had not been raised with all those laws and the the Ten Commandments and all of that. And they're coming together and they've got to come together as one family, the family of God. And as you can imagine, there were some issues with that just as we have today. And Paul, in his writing to the Roman church, was explaining to them all of these things. And what we've looked at for so many months previous is Paul wanted them to understand that everyone, and get this in case you didn't know this, everyone who comes into the family of God comes in as a sinner and a lost person. Imagine that. But we all are sinners and lost people, and we all come to the same cross, the same Lord, and Jesus died for all, and once we get washed in his blood, we become a new creature, we are adopted into a new family, and we have a a new father, and we've got to worship God. And he wanted us to understand that because as we get into these parts of Romans that we're looking at now, the life of the believer, he wants us to understand that yes, there are those who were Jews that God chose as a nation to work through. He gave them a law and he gave them commands to live by. He brought them out of worshiping multiple gods and he changed them into worshiping one God. And the same thing happens for those Gentiles. Gentiles, as they leave their lifestyle, they come into worshiping one God. Just as us as believers, we worship multiple gods before we were a believer. And we might not have worshipped the same multiple gods that they did back in the Old Testament time, but I believe as lost people, we worship the God of money. 
We worship the God of prestige. We worship the God of look at me. It's all about me and all of these things. But when we come to Christ, it all becomes about him. Amen. And he is the central focus of the believer. So Paul wanted the church at Romans to understand that there needs to be, there must be a unity of the believers. We must come together. Can you imagine what the world would think if the church of Jesus Christ was nothing but backstabbing, gossip, tear down, and stomp on each other? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm describing what it is sometimes. But it's not the way it should be. We should be able to live different within the body of believers so that the world knows a difference. Because we're different. Because it's no longer about me. It's about him. And that's a difference of the world. So this morning I want us to look at two ways of this or two understandings of how we can have the unity of the believers. Next week we'll look at one more of those. But what I want us to do, if you would stand with me, turn to Romans chapter 14. We'll be beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read a part of our text and then we will pick up and we will begin to discuss our points. Romans chapter 1 Beginning in verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt. And the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats, for God accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that as we move through your word today, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, you would help us to understand the need for the unity, Lord, of the believers. And Father God, I can pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. As we look at the unity of the believer, how in the world can we take people from both sides of the track How can we take people who are non-believers and bring them into believers through the blood of Jesus Christ? But how is it that we can mix all of this together? How is it that I can give up me for you? And how is it that you can give up you for me? Because that's what it becomes unified. It doesn't mean we necessarily agree on everything. But the first thing I want us to see is believers must accept one another. Church in the church of Jesus Christ, we must accept our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm going to give you four principles of how you can do that. Because let me tell you, speaking to you from me, let me set the Bible down and take my jacket off of me. It's difficult sometimes to accept others. You know, even in our own denomination, 
We have those things where people are arguing back and forth over this and over that. And what we must understand, first of all, is that we have certain things that are what's called essentials in the Christian faith. The main essential thing is there is one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to a relationship with God, and that's through the death, burial, and resurrection, and coming to Jesus Christ by faith. That is an essential that we stand on, that we will not waver on. But there are other things, as we're going to see, that sometimes we might waver on. But you understand that there is to be unity and that we've got to accept each other. What Paul is writing here to the church is he's taking the Jews and the Jews were taught, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you must worship on this day and this day is holy and this day is different. And then on the other side, you're bringing into this big pot, this family of God, you're bringing in the Gentiles who they think they can just eat whatever they want and they can worship whenever whatever they want whenever they want not whatever they want but whenever they want and Paul says you've got to understand these things come together you see what you eat and what you don't eat that's not an essential in the Christian faith the day you worship on, we set aside Sunday. We believe that's the day Jesus Christ rose and we do that. But you know, if somebody worshiped on Saturday, that's not an essential. That's not going to change if they have a relationship with God or not. So what he's saying here is that we must accept one another. The first principle, how can we accept one another, is you need to understand that we were all accepted by God. God accepted all. That's your number one there. You see that all throughout this, and it says, who are you to judge the servant to his master? To he who stands, he will fall. The Lord is able to make him stand. God accepted us. He's saying it's not about what you eat. You see verse 3, the one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt, and the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats, for God accepted him. You know, God turned over and said that all things are right to eat. What is he really talking about here is whenever we come together and we get in this family of God, there are some of us who are more mature in faith than others. And as the new ones come in, they're baby Christians and they begin to grow up. But as you learn these things, you know, there's some that say you don't eat food offered to an idol. We're going to look at that in a moment. But understanding that God said we can eat the food, we give thanks for the food. That we can accept those who are different than us because God accepted them. Amen? And let me tell you, if God can accept them, then I sure be able to be able to accept them. Verse 4 tells us there that who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. We understand that we can accept one another because God sustains us. God is the one that holds us up. Amen. God is the one that keeps us going through day by day. It's not my neighbor. 
But it's God and God alone who sustains the one. I can accept each other because God sustains them too. God has brought them into the family. God has forgiven them of their sins. We're one family together. But we also can accept one another thirdly because Jesus is our Lord. Uh, I like this one. I think this is the key. Jesus is our Lord. Look at verse 5. One person judges one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards the day, listen here, regards it for the Lord. And he who eats, eats for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who does not eat for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for God. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Jesus is our Lord. And that's what we've got to get into our thick skulls sometimes. Jesus is the Lord, it's not about me. And church, it's not about you, but it's about the Lord. And we serve one Lord, and he is our Lord, and he is our master. We are to obey him, and everything that we do should be done for the glory of God. If we go to work, we should work as if we're working for the Lord, amen? If we go to play, we should play as we're playing for the Lord. And he talks very clearly here about that we're not to judge one person over another. We're not to judge one day over another with regards to days. It says we should be convinced in our mind that God is the one that we give thanks to. It is God who saved us. It is God who is our Lord. Jesus died on that cross for us. And when we church can begin to put Jesus in his rightful place in our hearts and in our minds, then we can accept one another. We can accept those who are different than us. We can accept those who come from the different side of the tracks. We can accept those who come from different economic status as us. We can accept brothers and sisters in Christ that are a different color than we are. When we understand that we all serve one Lord and that Lord is Jesus Christ, then we can accept one another and we can stop all of the backbiting. You know, this kind of hit me because there's some friends that I have and they believe a little different than I do. I think they are great godly men, but yet they have some different things. And there was a time in my life not too long ago that I'm like, I mean, what an idiot. And I almost disassociated fellowship. I'm like, I can't be around that. What you say you believe and what I think you should believe are different. But when I look at it and realize that the Lord accepted them, the Lord is their Lord. And they might view something a little different than I do. But when you dig down into the dirt, down to the roots and the core of who they are, the essentials of faith is there. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I just have to turn around and believe everything they believe or see things the same way they see it. I know I've used this with you before. If I took three of you outside and we staged a wreck in front of the church and I brought each of you in here one at a time and said, tell the church what happened. How many do you think of the three would describe a wreck that happened out in front of the church? All three. How many do you think would tell the story exactly the same? None of them. The essentials of faith, the essentials of God's word, the black and white of God's word is there. He says, don't do this. That's an essential. When he says, this is the way to salvation, that's an essential. We don't waver over it. Now, if you want to talk about some of the other things, should I do this? Should I not do that? Well, some might read it one way. Some might read it another But when we understand that Jesus is Lord and that that is our focus, then we are able to accept one another. And here comes the scary one, maybe, is Jesus is our judge. I'm not the judge, thank goodness, don't you agree? And I'm going to say the same thing, thank goodness you're not the judge. Because we would judge each judge differently Each of us would look at a scenario and we would judge that scenario different. But I praise the Lord that Jesus is our judge because he's the true judge. He's the righteous judge and he's the just judge and he will judge right every single time. Look at verse 10. But why, but you, why do you judge your brother? Are you again, why do you view your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Let me read that to you one more time. Verse 12. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Who is Paul writing to? Do you remember? He's writing to the church. And I'm here to tell you, church, that each one of us will go before the judgment seat of God. Now, let me take you back into a little bit of Greek here. Don't do this often, but I believe it's very important here. The judgment seat of God here is talking about the Bema seat. We've talked about that before. The B-E-M-A, the Bema seat. This church is not the judgment seat of life or death. The moment you become a believer in Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you will not stand judgment for life or death, heaven or hell. It's already been settled. But we will stand before God and give an account of what we have done with what he has given to us. This judgment seat, this beam of seat of Christ would be equivalent. What they would have understood it then was they had their athletes. They had their different Olympic games that they would have. And after, listen here, after the event was over, after the race was over, The athletes would go and stand before the judge and he would distribute to them 
their rewards. The laurel wreath, that little wreath that they would get, wreath that they would wear on their head to to show that they were the winner. What does that mean? When we stand before the Bema seat, when we stand as believers before the judgment seat of Christ, the game is over. Life is over. The winner is already declared. The believer has already declared life with God forever. The lost is already declared life forever with their master, Satan, in hell. But we come and understand that Jesus is our Lord. It is not my job to judge one another. Now let me add this caveat to it. The Bible does tell us that we can judge people's fruit. You can see how people are, who they are, by their fruit. But what we are not judging is whose right is it to go to heaven or hell? Whose right is it to hear the gospel and not the gospel? But I also believe it comes down as not for me to judge, to say that you need to eat that or not eat that. You need to drink that or not drink that. You need to worship on this day or that day. That's not for me to judge. God is the judge of that. And we're going to see, though, that there is an importance to that. But what he's talking about is you have those who are weak in their faith, those who say it has to be this way, and you have those mature that's grown up and understand we have a freedom in Christ, amen? We have a liberty of a life to live. And I'm not to look down on someone else. And condemn them. And I'm not to have someone look down and condemn on me. You see believers must accept one another. We need to. We must accept each other in the family of God. We can do that. Just real quick recap for you there. Because God accepted us. God sustains us. Jesus is our Lord. And Jesus is our judge. You know, it can become tiring sometimes judging other people. I mean, how quick we can do that. Just let it go because your judge don't matter. The judge of Jesus Christ matters. And let me tell you, I don't want to be judging someone else. I think grace and mercy needs to be shown. Because church, I want grace and mercy shown to me when I stand before God. Because we will give an account. We will answer. For what we've done. This is focused all on us. This first part. That believers must accept one another. Tell me what I must do. He makes a change here at verse 13. And he begins talking to the brothers. Talks about the other person. So the second thing I want us to look at is. Believers must build up one another. Not only must we accept one another but we must build up one another we have a responsibility in the family of God to build up each other and let me tell you we need that now more than ever we need other brothers and sisters in our life building us up as believers because all the world is worried about is tearing us down trying to discredit us and let me tell you if we're not building up from within they're sure not building up from without We must build up one another. How can we do that? Well, the first thing I think we see is that as believers, we affect each other. 
We can affect each other in this room. We can affect each other in the household of God. Verse 13 says, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather judge this, or determine this, not to put a stumbling block or offense before a brother. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is defiled in itself, but to him who considers anything to be defiled, to him it is defiled. For if because of food your brother is grieved, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. What is he saying? We do need to build up one another. We do need to speak to one another. We need to encourage. There are sometimes that our believer brothers and sisters are going down the wrong path. And we need to encourage them because we can affect them, but we must do it out of love. In one of my readings in studying for this, it, it described it this way. Can you imagine a parent that just keeps criticizing and judging a child for doing wrong. They tell them wrong. They tell them and they yell at them and yell at them to make it better. There's a difference than if they're to sit on the edge of the bed and discuss it. You know, sometimes we need to approach a brother or sister. But we must do it in love. But what is he talking about here for this eating Remember, they had strict dietary laws. The Jews did. So they come out of that thinking that's the only way. You bring the Gentile that didn't have that and you come together. But he's saying here that we have a responsibility as a believer. Whereas it might be right for me to eat something, using his analogy. But my fellow brother feels that it is wrong I shouldn't gloat it in his face. If I cause him to stumble, then that's on me. The life that we live affects others. Secondly, we must have priorities. Verse 16, therefore, do not let what is good, you a good thing be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in his spirit. For he who in this way serves God is pleasing to God and approved for men. Not going to preach today on drinking. But I believe he mentions that here. And, and some people say, well, it's okay if we have a little bit of something to drink. Bible talks about Timothy, have you a little bit of wine for your stomach. Maybe you have an ulcer and you need to drink something. And then you have some say, whoa, no, no, no. One little sip, you're going to hell. You can't do that. It's wrong. You got to be a teetotaler. Are both wrong? Are both right? We have both in the body of the believer. Now I believe the Bible tells us, and we see all the time, it says what? Don't be drunk with wine. So how is it that we can build up another? What is our responsibility in this situation? If you have a little bit of wine to drink within your house and you feel that's fine, don't look down on the one who says you shouldn't drink. 
And the one who says you shouldn't drink shouldn't necessarily look down on the one who's having a little glass of wine in their house because neither one of us is the judge of the right or wrong of the other person. But here's where it comes down to us. If you believe you can have a little glass of wine and you go to supper with the one who feels you shouldn't, then maybe you shouldn't. Are you going to cause them to stumble? Maybe. How do you know you're not having dinner with the one who maybe was an alcoholic before they accepted Christ? Christ came in and changed their life. You have your little bit of sip and they say, you know what? Maybe it is okay. Let me have a sip. And what just happened? You've got a downward spiral. Again, vice versa, I think it should be that the other one shouldn't judge. We should be lovingly looking out for our brothers and sisters. What is a way to encourage them? What is a way to build them up? And we should have those priorities. And that priority is clearly put there that we are to live to what is pleasing to God. And pleasing to God is acting in a loving way. Another principle here is we must help each other grow. We must help each other grow. Quickly look at verse 19. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have as your own conviction before God, blessed is he who does not judge. We need to help each other grow. And I think part of that is when we come in a loving manner and we begin to share. Because you're going to have some that they've always heard this. They come into the the religious life. They come into the life of Christ. And they have all these preconceived notions. We need to lovingly build them up. There are people who come in as a new Christian who are immature. And they live the next 40 years of their life. And they die as immature Christians just as much as when they come in. Because someone else has not come along in Christ and loved on them and taught them and helped them to mature. And as believers, as our part of building up one another, encouraging one another, is we need to help each other grow. We need to help each other mature along the way. And lastly, the fourth one there, we must not force our opinions on others. Verse 22 and 23. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves. And here we go back again. Remember, we each have opinions. Everyone in here has opinions. I'll let you finish the phrase we've probably heard. We've all got opinions like we've all got mouths. We'll just say that this morning. But our opinions need to be based on the word of God. But remember, I'm not the judge of the other one. So I don't take my opinion outside of the essentials and I must not force it on someone else. 
It is not my job to force someone saying you can't eat. You know, they come up believing you couldn't eat pork. You know, I know people today who still hold to that. You don't eat pork. But that's not my job. That's not an essential of faith. That is not my job to force onto someone else that you should or that you should not eat pork. Because I understand that in Christ I have a liberty. Christ has opened up food. We have now another way of processing that we can make the food cleaner. And I understand that liberty. I'm not to wear down someone who thinks it's wrong and cause them in their mind to sin by telling them to do something that they believe they're not to. There's nothing wrong with not eating pork. My opinion is pretty good. And I'll take bacon any day. But we cannot force our opinions on others if we're to build others up. You see, there's to be a unity. Again, that doesn't mean everybody totally agrees on everything. And you know what? This unity of believers, this accepting one another and building up one another plays out in our churches day in and day out. Have you ever heard of a church that split over the color of the carpet? It's not an essential of the faith. One of the commentaries of every reading knew a church that had a split and people that just totally hated each other over where they placed the piano. You know, it doesn't matter. Those are not essentials. And we must be loving and we must come together. We can agree at times to disagree, but there's got to be a unity of the essential. And that's what it is, the unity of the believer. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father God, I thank you for your love. Father, I thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. Lord, you knew uh, even back then and even today, Lord, how bringing together people from different lifestyles into one family can have its own obstacles and father you want to eliminate those and father you tell us very clearly in your word father one of those if we're going to be unified together lord we've got to accept our brothers and sisters in christ father we must also build up one another father you tell us about us and you tell us about the brother Father, would you help us now, Lord, to live this lifestyle, Lord? Could we live out how you portray? Because, Father, it all stems from you. Father, you accept everyone that comes to you. And, Father, you help us to grow and you help us to mature. Father, may we as believers live the lifestyle that is an example of who you are. Father, brings glory and honor to you. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.